You are listening to the one and only Visionaries Wrestling Network. Envisioning excellence and providing your perfect podcast experience. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we're giving you our Money in the Bank 2020 predictions, our favorite Money in the Bank cash-ins of all time, the Wednesday Night Wars, and week three of our NXT do-over. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Man from Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. Dusha House Party. And over there... (laughs) 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 And over there in University City, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? Allows to bow our heads as I repeat from the latest edition of the Pan for Ringside Podcast, Volume 154, Chapter 3, Verse 14, and the Good Spark says, Hashtag Who the Heels. It is all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat. Shout out to my girl, Becky Balboa. I love you, babe. Um, <laughs> that's party. terrible. That's, that's great. No, uh, I'm glad that I'm doing the podcast because I've been on uh, Twitter a lot lately and getting into ridiculous Twitter arguments. And I just, I'm just glad that I need to get away from social media for a little bit, talk to people that have semi reasonable expectations like I do. Can it's you good to be back? Can, I, I, you know, I, I see you on there and I, I see you mixing it up. Can you tell me uh, what the what's the stupidest one that people got into you with this week? Um, it's kind of petty, but I get it. It's, it's not, I didn't even get into it, but it's more, it was more like a question. Long story short, you, it's, it's a group where they're trying to troll guys for asking for followers. I'm looking for, you know, trying to get to the X amount of followers. Can you retweet, help me out, blah, blah, blah. And these guys have made it a point to call people out on the shit. I mean, I get it. It's it's kind of petty to ask for followers. I mean, it is what it is. I don't personally do it, so I don't personally understand it. But to go out of your way, this is like your daily routine to find shit out like this. I just, I don't know. It just find, I just find the whole thing weird. It's, it's, it's social media. I mean... And people are out here either trolling for the sake of the troll or taking it to, like, the ratings for NXT and AEW, you know. Here's the line, you know. They're acting like this the fucking Civil War. We're trying to, you know, <laughs> finish slavery. And it's really ratings. And, and nobody's getting paid for this. And these jokers are going at it left and right. And it just it boggles my mind how crazy people get for two guys in the ring half-naked, fake-fighting. You know, I think that's the earliest I've ever hit the he's heating up drop. Um, I don't think I've ever hit it uh, prior to getting to the three count, so that might be a new record. We're setting records this week. Uh, well, see, that's what you get for throwing up the alley like that. <laughs> <laughs> Two beers, Zach Pullman uh, couldn't make it today. He may be joining us later. He had some stuff come up, uh, which is as expected when you're quarantined with your kids. Uh, but hopefully he joins us later. Uh, I'm coming at you from South City, St. Louis, from my cozy basement here on the south side, the home of the metronome. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside. There is This is Money in the Bank weekend. I mean, it's pretty much my favorite my favorite pay-per-view, my favorite WWE really? pay-per-view. Yeah, I think so. I love Money in the Bank. I love... I'm a Royal Rumble guy. Royal Rumble's number two, but I love the idea of the money in the bank. I love the cash-in idea. I think it's automatic storytelling that it's kind of a cheat code for storytelling, but man, does it work when it's done right. And when it's done wrong, it is terrible. And I hate it so much. And But there's really, there's really only been a few times where they fucked it up. Uh, last year being the the biggest fuck up of them all, uh, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Before we get too far into it, JCB, why don't you tell us about F and B Eatery? 
F and B eatery on the corner of 3453 South Hampton, South Hampton and Marquette, home of the best smash burger you've never heard of. So let's remedy that. Go check them out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at F and B eatery, lowercase letters. That way you are abreast of all upcoming specials, hours that change, especially during the quarantine times. That way you can come up curbside, get you a smash burger, keep the wife and kids happy, keep it moving. Go check my boy Mike out, 3453 Southampton F&B Eatery. Tell him that Bam from Ringside sent you. All right, let's get into that three counts. One, two, three. It's a free-for-all today, Jason. Where do you want to start? Um, I guess we can start Wednesday Night Wars if you want to. Let's okay. It's always a safe bet. You want to start uh, NXT, you want to do uh, AEW first. Let's start with AEW. Um, AEW, I noticed they, the, the couple of things off the bat, um, and this is just free spitballing, more people around ringside and scattered in the stands. I think that was, and I said it on Twitter uh, when I was watching it, I thought that was kind of a litmus test to see how people would react online if this was good bad whatever the case may be i personally didn't mind it i think it's a step in a direction where i think most people want to go where things get to be quote unquote back to normal again um i thought that the announcements about you know with everybody's being safe all that other stuff um maybe a little overblown Maybe that's just me, but I think you say it once and you don't have to come back to it. But once again, that's just me. Um, opening match was Cody and Joey Janela. I thought Joey Janela coming in and just a kind of a one-off did a really good job with that opening segment. Everybody kind of knew that Cody was going to win, but a story had to be told. You know, Cody's, you know, grinding towards this. NXT Championship match with uh, Lance Archer, and he had a, a tough test with Joey Janela. Not saying that Joey Janela is going to be a a superstar on the AAW roster. He has his own promotion to worry about, so I'm sure he has that on his uh, forefront of his mind. But I thought this was a good way to uh, to start the the night, and ultimately, it was a good way for the the show to go. I, ultimately, I thought the show was really good. It, a few, you know, bumps here and there. But go ahead. What did you think about the opening segment? Uh, I was very cool with the opening s- segment, uh, you know, for a match that didn't have a lot of intrigue as to who was going to win going into it. I like that Janela got a lot of offense in. Uh, Cody's neck tattoo continues to baffle me. Uh, which, which, <laughs> What you were saying, though, about people being scattered throughout the crowd. And there was a couple of times they showed into the seats and, you know, everybody was six feet away from each other, which is a good look on TV. Who knows how seriously they were going to take it. I appreciated that Jake, the snake Roberts was there wearing a mask because he is in the danger zone for COVID-19. He is an elderly fellow. I mean, he's in his sixties. I don't have it right here. How old he is, but it was also live this week, which is the first time, NXT or AEW has been live since they started going to empty arenas. But without getting too far ahead of it, it's so different watching AEW with just the guy, with just the other wrestlers standing around the ring watching and cheering on and a few scattered, just a few scattered fans. I don't even know who they were. They might have been employees or something just in the crowd it's so much different and it's such a better take on it than WWE's straight up silence. It's just, it's unbelievable how big of a difference it makes just to have a little bit of noise besides the two guys or two gals grunting in the ring. It's so much better. AEW is so much more fun to watch because of it. I'll I'll concede the fact that just, the visual makes it look better. But like I said it last week, if you're giving me a compelling storyline, I can care less where it is, who's there, whatever the case may be. Chances are I'm worried about what's going on in the ring versus who's marking out outside the ring. That's just me. 
Yeah, and that's a that's a preference thing. Um, and I don't want to sound like a broken record every every single week when this shit's you know while this shit's still going on, but I'm afraid that I am. So I'll try not to do that. We have se- second up. We had Nyla, Nyla Rose versus uh, Kenzie. What's her name? <laughs> okay, so Nyla Nyla Rose has squash. Uh, Nyla Rose is good. Okay, uh, MJF MJF was there. MJF had the the promo that he's been cutting, drinking his wine. It was a good promo, if not a little. It's almost a little too old school for me. Does that make sense to you? That's my only problem with MJF is no, that he's no. there are no, still no, no. expound on it now because I was going to say I think I know where you're going with it but let's expound on that for the there's the still sometimes the there's still sometimes when he's cutting a promo and this isn't always there's still sometimes when he's cutting a promo where it seems like you remember the old NXT or you oh not NXT uh, tough enough. You remember when you would have tough enough and those guys would come in there and they would uh, like it was like promo week and it would be their turn to cut a promo. And it was always like a bunch of guys that were trying to sound how they believed wrestlers sounded. Right. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. It seems like MJF is still a dude playing playing wrestler. And I might I might catch some heat on that uh, on Twitter because I know that he's a fan favorite, but there is something about it that just seems that just doesn't seem completely natural to me, like all the greats really do. Your thoughts? Um, I'm an MJF guy, and I said it last night. I think he's amazing on the mic, but I think he's okay in the ring. Which ultimately, I think this that's what fans kind of want they want the larger than life personalities first at least i shouldn't say that i think then i'll just stick to the script mjf i think is amazing i just think this is just one of those times where personally bill doesn't like the way this is being packaged i don't mind it because it kind of hit on some of the things that you know has been said about him on twitter he's not this person he's not that person all you know outside of rick flair um roddy piper was the big one uh great personality but was okay in the ring and he gets a lot of comparisons to that so i mean for me for him to kind of strike back on that kind of resonated a little bit but like i said at the end of the day i'm a little biased i'm an mjf guy but i kind of try to keep things realistic Listen, great talker, but just average in the ring. You he, know, other guys need to be around him to make him look better. He is a great talker. I'm not saying he's not a great talker, and I'm not. And at, for 24, he's certainly got. It's pretty rare that you have somebody who's his age who is great in the ring, and the ones that are great in the ring stand out because they are so young, like a Will Osprey. You know, like even Velveteen Dream is like MJF, and the fact that he's not spectacular in the ring. But he's he his personality is great. It's just sometimes it seems like MJF is just trying a little too hard for me. Just trying a little too hard. That's all I'm saying. Okay, that's that's a fair criticism. I don't have a problem with that. And I'm an MJF fan. Uh, It's just when he started bringing up who did he bring up? He brought up Flair. He brought up The Rock, and he brought up somebody Piper. Piper, And it's like yeah, it's, it's like we're thinking about him. It when you like it, it's almost like he actually believes it, and then it's like, well, wait a minute, dude, you're not, you're like not. Maybe it's because maybe it's just because I believe he is that cocky, and that makes me like him less. Well, it's, it's not like we haven't had a interaction with him. To Where he was completely think, cocky. Okay, so we have a, a not even like five minutes it's a very small sample size but that small sample size was enough for you to have that impression in mind when he was like don't wipe that wing sauce on my shit yeah <laughs> okay so he comes off as a dick right yes yeah like i was gonna spill the wing <laughs> sauce on his fucking jacket 
Yeah, so ultimately, this is just one of those things where this was your impression, and now that impression has gone on maybe subconsciously to this uh, vignette that he cut. And it wasn't like he cut the bad vignette. I just think that The Rock is a a big-time lead. I don't think he's anywhere near that category of talking like The Rock. Piper, that's a fair comparison. I think that's about right on the mark. Come find me, Maxwell. Come find me. <laughs> South City. You don't, want, you don't want none of that. South City. You don't City. want none of that smoke. You don't want none of that smoke. Man, you better tell that, man. Honestly, at the end of the day, I'm looking forward for him to come back, even if it's in a squash, for him to come back and get AEW, not back to where it should be, but getting the, the big stars back and everybody kind of starting to – whatever storyline angle they're going to go from. from oh, this he's point on. totally a valuable asset. Like I, I'm like, th- this is really, like I said, this is picking nits. I mean, I, I'm an MJF no, fan. Uh, th- we got MJF versus jungle boy coming up at double or nothing, which should be a fun match. And those are two young guys that could have a lot of matches together. Uh, you know, in the next 20 years or so, um, moving on, we have Kazarian versus Moxley, another match without a whole lot of intrigue, but, uh, Kazarian had a good showing. Kazarian can go. Moxley can go. Uh, the big story coming out of that, though, is that Dark Order attacked Moxley after the match. Brody Lee cuts a promo on Moxley as he's beaten down and says that he wants a shot at the title. And Moxley said, hell, all you had to do was ask. <laughs> Which was great. A great response. Uh, wh- what do you think about going forward, Brody Lee versus Moxley for the title? You say the wolf is coming. Yeah, yeah that's all you had to say. <laughs> it was a great response. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing I thought when he said it. Um, the match I, saw, I thought was really good. I think Kazarian, I think if you, unless you remember him from the TNA days, you don't think of him as a singles guy. So this might have been. Uh, a little bit of a, a shock to see him do so well with Moxley in ring. I thought the match was, like I said, really good. Now, obviously, the post-match angle is what spins out of it. I don't know what fans really want. I mean, he Jericho lost to Moxley. Now he beat Hager a, a couple weeks back. So, I mean, at some point, he's going to have to defend the title again. Here's Brody Lee that's basically, you know, running roughshod through, you know, the mid-card or whatever the case may be. It's a chance to have Brody Lee on a a top card for one of the bigger pay-per-views that AEW has. And for whatever reason, people aren't satisfied with that. At some point, he's got to defend. He being John Moxley has to defend the title against somebody. Wait a minute. Why not Brody Lee? Are people upset about Moxley taking on Brody Lee? It doesn't make sense. Um, AEW rankings, um, fill in the blank, uh, oh, I whatever see. criticism that you want. I it's see. more about the rankings where if the rankings mean so much, then why it is so-and-so getting this title match instead of so-and-so. Maybe they're starting to realize that this is why wrestlers don't have a one-loss record that's put on TV very often because sometimes it doesn't make for the best story because it's a simulated sport. Maybe... I mean, I, I'm I, I love having the records out there, but I, I mean, too. I just I think this is just one of those things where it's it's looking for something to be mad about. This I hate AEW, and this you know gives me you know justification to hate it. I'm not saying that it's always going to be perfect because it's not going to be perfect. Okay, you were talking about Nyla Rose. Um, Sheeta's the number one contender, but she already beat Sheeta, but now she's the number one contender again. Chris Chris Statlander's number two, already beat Chris Statlander. So I'm kind of like, where are we going with this? The booking isn't consistent with the rankings. So I'll give you that. Now, to make this a big deal to where now Brody Lee is all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, an undeserving contender, I think that's where you're going too far. Brody Lee was getting a push before he even stepped in the door as the exalted one. So, yeah, 
you're going to want to try to strike when the iron is hot. That was that's always been one of our biggest criticisms with WWE, Raw, SmackDown, main roster, whatever you want to call it, is that they always pass on the opportunity when it's hot. They wait. Well, let's not do it. They yep. hesitate and then they wait. They wait too long and then it's like, oh shit, we waited too long and now what the fuck are we going to do? See Braun Strowman. Yep. In this scenario, I say this is okay. Brody Lee was already being hyped up coming in. He's basically destroyed everybody else on the way up to this point. Yep. You already earmarked Lance Archer for the secondary title. Not saying he's going to win it, but obviously he has a match with Cody Rhodes to determine who's the first TNA or TNT champion. Somebody's got to wrestle John Moxley. Okay, so at some point we're just going to have to get away from oh, you know, this is what they said, mm-hmm. and be a little flexible about shit. I agree with Jason 100%, which makes for terrible podcasting. <laughs> so uh, moving on to Lance Archer versus QT Marshall with Brandy at ringside for QT. Uh, the biggest takeaway from this is that it looked like Jake the Snake brought back, brought back Damian the Snake after the match. Or Is that something that we're going to get? And are you a fan of that? <laughs> I'll say it like this. Personally, I hate it because I hate fucking snakes. It fucking freaked me the fuck out to watch oh, really? slither over fucking Brandy. I mean, I we had to turn away a couple of times because that's how big heights and snakes are probably my two biggest fears. So to have Damien resurfaced into my life is not necessarily the greatest thing for my sleep. However, it was perfect for this point. You had Brandy come out, basically say, keep your name out of my mouth. And then after the fact, Britt Baker takes out Brandy. Perfect. I wish it had been Penelope before, but that's just me. You know, that's my bias. And then you have Jake putting, getting heat on him and Lance Archer, bringing out Damien, having, her, having him slither all over Brandy Rose. I thought it was done very, very well. And it made... It got the point across where, yeah, you are going to talk shit, but I can get you anytime, any place, anywhere, whether your husband's here or not, you can get God. I thought it was done I very did, well. I did not know that snakes were a fear of yours. Um, that's yeah, good. That's <laughs> that's uh, You do that shit, I will fuck you up. That's good to know. <laughs> That's good to know for future, for future, uh, future things. Um, I I can't believe it had never occurred to me before that Jake the Snake was back in wrestling and didn't have Damien. Uh, I don't. Did they call him Damien on the? Sh- did they call the Snake Damien on the show? I don't even. They did. No, I'm sure that's trademarked by um, Vince and company. But they they basically said, you know, oh my God, he's got his snake. He's got a snake. So. If you're old enough and you remember Jake the Snake, obviously this is Damien or a kin of sorts. But If you're old enough. You know, there might be some people listening to this that they probably know Jake the Snake, but (laughs) they never watched him wrestle. I used to watch Jake the Snake wrestle. My brother's name is Jake, and so Jake the Snake was his dude. And um, we loved when Jake used to get the snake out because Jake used to have – Damien in the bag next to the ring all the time and it was awesome I mean you get home from church wrestling starts at 11 (laughs) o'clock you miss the first couple matches because you're driving home it's about a 15 minute drive you get home that's just about in time for the Jake the Snake or the Macho Man Randy Savage or Tito Tito Santana you know stuff like that (laughs) Brutus the Barber Beefcake I love seeing the snake. Are we done yet? Damn. Yeah, I know. Oh, Sorry. I didn't, I didn't say that. Uh, and then uh, at the end, the main event was Omega and uh, Broken Matt Hardy versus Y2J and Sammy Guevara, who called themselves La Sex Gods, uh, in a brawl. That's a great fucking name. Had some fun spots. I mean, it was a. It was kind of a. It was a pointless match. It did have some fun spots, and it ended with a cool visual of them of the inner circle in Jacksonville Stadium uh, backing out and having inner circle on the the big jumbotron behind them. So uh, any thoughts on that before we move on to NXT? Uh, no, it, 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 it was what it was. It, a little over the top for me at points, uh, kind of re- reminiscent of what I see opposite of them on Mondays and Fridays. But it was entertaining. 
Omega with the uh, the moonsault off the top. Of, yeah. I don't know if it was 15 feet, but that to me was one of the biggest highlights. Yeah, uh, it was a big spot. Sammy Guevara, yeah, Sammy Guevara, God bless that dude. He's a bumping fool. He's going to get himself hurt. But all in all, it, it did what it was meant to do. It was to entertain and moving forward. The inner circle is back. Hole is my biggest takeaway from that. It didn't really phase me one way or the other. I didn't think it was good. I didn't think it was bad. It was just, it was there. It was meant to be, it'd be entertaining. And ultimately, that's what it was. All right. This is banned from ringside. Uh, we'll move on to NXT. NXT started with Dijakovic or Dijakov. I, I hate the way they pronounce it. Dijakovic <laughs> is how they should pronounce it. Frenemy of the show. That's all you need to know. Frenemy of the show, Dijakovic, Dijakovic against Johnny Gargano. Thoughts on that match? Um, I hate to say it, but looking at them in the ring, it's it was almost kind of hard to sit here and think, okay, how is Johnny Gargano supposed to win this match? Now, fast forward with the turnbuckle spot. Okay, that's how he wins the match. Obviously, the the uh, the DDT afterwards. I guess that's going to be. His finisher opposite the uh, the Gargano Rock or whatever the case may be. I thought the match was itself was fine. Um, Candice, I was surprised it took for her that long to come out to ringside. I, I would hope I was hoping that it wasn't going to be a distraction finish because um, I'm just not a huge fan of the distraction finish. But for me, my biggest takeaway from this is Djokovic is just like it, it feels like he has no direction with his character. They don't know what to do with them, whether to, to keep them in the mid card, go up, go down. So it just feels like they're just ultimately spinning the wheels with him and there's no place for him to go. His character isn't that uh, great to where I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I can't wait to hear him talk in ring. I think he's great, but just for whatever reason, there's no place for him to go right now. So him losing to Gargano to me was a little bit of a disappointment, but I mean, without without true. Keith Lee, he doesn't really have a character, and that's that's going to be a problem moving forward. That's why I kind of thought that, especially here with the opposition opposition being Gargano, Johnny Gargano is basically Teflon at this point. I mean, if he if there was a time for him to take that L, this would have been a time to do it, and then you could run it back or have him jump Dijakovic um, after the match. And then you could lead to a second match. Now, a rematch kind of seems pointless. You know, turnbuckle spot aside, he beat him clean. I'm, I don't know what else we where are we gonna go from this point. What do you do with him? Gargano can go anywhere he wants to go. To me, where do you go with, with Dijakovic is the question. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we don't have to run down everything here uh carrying cross unless there was something you want to talk about with tozawa and jack gallagher tozawa got the win uh tozawa is like um, it's like tozawa is like two different characters one that's on raw that just jobs out and one that's on <laughs> nxt who's a world beater yeah yeah exactly um i'll just say this i don't think he's going to win the block um i think it's going to be uh phantasma winning the block because they they have a match coming up Phantasma wins. He'll have the tiebreak on Tozawa. He'll win Group Three. Who has a better suicide dive, Tozawa or Phantasma? Ooh, um, I'm gonna catch some heat on it. I don't care. I like Tozawa. Um, in be- he can go in between the uh, the middle and the top rope, or he can go underneath the bottom and the middle rope. And I think that's kind of we always give. You know, shit about guys clipping their uh, the feet going in between the middle. He can do either or, and he does both really well. I'm going to Zawa. Uh, who has the worst, Daniel Bryan or John Moxley? It's got to be Mox. I mean, or Sasha Banks. No, Sa- Sasha could do it. If Moxley, in order of worst to best, I will go Moxley's the worst. Um, yeah, it's terrible. He shouldn't do it. Sasha's is probably the middle, and Daniel Bryan's the best. All right, I'll take of that. Those three. Oh, those three are none of them are very good. None of them are really good, but I'm kind of glad that Moxley's kind of going away from it. 
Sasha's kind of gone away from it. And Daniel Bryan can do whatever the hell he wants. I mean, hell, he's Daniel Bryan for Christ's sake. Uh, Karrion Cross had a, you know, a fine debut where he squashed a jobber. Uh, he looks the part. He's a bad-looking dude. Um, we had, go Did ahead. you like the entrance? Because ultimately, that's what this boils down to. I mean, the Leon Ruff, God bless him. He's a long way from a ball, so... Stevie wanted to see he was going to get squashed. Did you like the entrance? Oh yeah, I was down with the entrance totally. You mean with the the black yeah, and white thought, and everything yeah, and really, and yeah, just, and Scarlet the whole shebang. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, uh, I'm I'm down with that. I'm looking forward to him. I'm looking forward to him versus Champa as a feud uh, going forward. Charlotte Flair versus Io Shirai ended in, in a DQ, and then we had the return of Rhea Ripley. And then we had Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai get into it in the hallway afterwards. What, what's going on? What's Vaggy special? Whoa, there we go. That <laughs> that's the kind of triple threat I'm really into. <laughs> I'll just say this: the, the, this was a match I was really looking forward to, and the word I came away from was anticlimactic. It just felt like we didn't get what we came here for. This was basically a match to set up the next match. And to me, the next match feels like it's going to be the triple threat, EO, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte Flair, which I don't have a problem with. But for me, I don't think if anybody loses out on this, it's going to be EO Shirai because ultimately I think Rhea Ripley is going to get the title back. Personally, I'd rather it just be in a one-on-one scenario where then Rhea pins Charlotte, Rhea gets the Charlotte rub, and then you can move go about your way from that. My fear is that EO's been added so she can take the pin, and that way Rhea gets the title back, Charlotte comes away unscathed, and EO is the one that comes away the quote-unquote the biggest loser of this. You know, unless they can find a way to Charlotte – for Charlotte to kind of job out to both of them and then go back to Raw or SmackDown s- somehow, you know, some sort of booking magic. Uh, I don't – it was – I don't know. I'm just – I'm a big fan of Ripley. I was surprised when Charlotte won at WrestleMania, but it, it would make sense if they were doing it because of her visa issues or because of the, you know, corona virus issues. But a triple threat match between those three sounds pretty badass to me, actually. Uh, I know, I know. I should feel, I should feel more excited about it. Instead, I feel hesitant about it. Go ahead. Ah, that's the Jason Bell I know. You want to be excited. <laughs> he wants to be excited, but he's just so hesitant about it. Yeah, uh, Kushida gets a victory over Atlas. I think everybody saw that coming. Uh, Cameron Grimes gets a win versus uh, DeJournette, who has really been taking a lot of jobs lately. Doing a lot of jobs mm-hmm. lately. Uh, Finn Balor had a shoot promo where he was talking about, uh, I mean, not a shoot promo, but he was a lot of, using a lot of shoot terms like okay, yeah. squash, squash and push. push. Uh, yeah, I tripped off that too. I'm on record as saying that I, I don't really like the half-ass shoot promos. Like, I either like, not shoot promo, work shoot, I should say. I either like the pipe bomb or the Joey Styles one that happened in like 06. Right. Either give me a straight up work shoot or stay in the work or stay kayfabe style. Kayfabe style. Because this half-ass stuff, talking about shoots and pushes when you're talking about and you're still in kayfabe mode is not my favorite type of promo. What say you? Um... It, it caught me by surprise. I, it was the one thing that I took away from that promo because ultimately I'm feeling like we're moving away from Walter and Finn Balor for filling the blank reason. But when he said push, he said, you know, squash, all that stuff, that stuff that we say. So it kind of threw me for a loop. You know, who is he really talking about? It just doesn't feel like he's talking about Walter. Yeah, those are words. I can't say I've ever heard the words push or squash on WWE television. Squash Squash is one of those words. It's a polarizing word where I don't think, you know, if you lined up 10 people in the quote-unquote wrestling community, squash could mean, you know, a different 
different for all 10 people or buried, whatever the case may be. The fact that he even used it to me was a, a huge surprise. I'm kind of curious on where this goes because I just can't think of who is a wall that's going to come back that Finn Balor can face. I think it might be. Feel I, right. I think it's either Walter or it's somebody from the main roster that they're going to bring back that will surprise people. I don't know who it would be. Uh, I know who I would want it to be. You know, I can name a bunch of guys I would want it to be, but I. I okay, well then, no, throw, throw a couple out. Well, Cesaro, for one. Mm. I mean, he's he's always mm. on the top of my list of guys that I wish they would do more with. You know, I wish there's, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 so no, predictable. I'm so predictable. KO, I would love it if it's Kevin Owens, but of course it's not going to be Kevin Owens, who we haven't no. seen since WrestleMania. Uh, apparently he has a injury. Um, he's going to come back whenever he's ready. Hopefully, you know, he comes back at 100, close to 100. But yeah. Uh, you see, everybody, you come here for your wrestling insider news. <laughs> for Jason Cornelius Bell. He's going to tell you what's going on. I didn't know that. And I'm no, a wrestling I, podcast host. <laughs> I just found this out, I guess, I guess this week or whatever, because obviously you got Orton and Edge coming back on Monday night. We haven't seen KO since WrestleMania, since Seth Rollins lost to him, and then Seth gets the, the title match. If, you know, logic Ooh. would dictate, you know, what ha where's KO? You know, he, he won that match. Maybe KO, KO returns at Money in the Maybe Bank. Maybe KO returns. Uh, no, Things have happened. God knows that. Uh, Velveteen Dream lost to Adam Cole. Um, despite. Hey! Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Despite the nah, Dexter Loomis mind. interference, it was a ho hum match. I have to agree, dude. I was, I was not impressed. This is not doing much for the narrative on BFR about Velveteen Dream in singles matches. The booking was weird. Dexter Loomis coming from underneath the ring makes little to no sense. Him throwing the ref, the uh, Bobby Fish into the referee, that's what I knew was going ready to go left. I just really didn't think that it would be, once again, a clean win for Adam Cole. So now, what do we do with Velveteen Dream? It's, what it, it's, it's Dijakovic all over again. I kind of figured that this might be the, the time to pull the trigger. Maybe these rumors about, you know, he's him doing God knows what with underage kids. Maybe that's an issue to give them a pause for the cause. What? I just I, I just thought the whole match, A, too short. B, what the fuck is Dexter Loomis doing there? And C, what do you do with Velveteen Dream moving forward? I just feel like Dexter, our Velveteen Dream has gotten nothing out of this program, absolutely nothing out of this program, and maybe I, I know I know that's hard to judge with no crowd. You know, it's hard to tell if he's still over when there's nobody there to cheer. Right. But it seems to me that he is in a holding pattern, and mm -hmm. I it seems to me like his stock is going down. Isn't the worst thing in the world for a twenty-two-year-old guy? I mean, that's that's about as young as you can be in the main event program in American wrestling. It does seem like he's in the holding pattern, if not uh, maybe dropping a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to say he's dropping that. I think the same similar to Real Ripley. I think they're going to run this back. It's just uh, I just don't like the way they booked this. It just it, it it was anticlimactic, and that's what NXT was for me. It was a lot of things that I was looking forward to, and then after it happened, I kind of was left, you know, thinking, "Well, what the fuck? That's that's not what I was expecting at all." So, right for me this week, AEW wins. It was pretty easy. AEW was pretty straightforward. It moves storylines along logically versus what NXT felt like was a, a takeover type card, especially with the two main titles on the line, and just really didn't deliver what I, I thought would be the, the better show coming in. Let's get to that. Two counts. One, two, three. 
This is usually when I say two beer, what's the two count? But <laughs> I miss him. I miss the poor guy. Uh, but before we get to the money in the bank stuff, we're going to continue our series of what we're calling the NXT do-over. And we're doing all the takeovers in order, starting with the very first one. So this week, we are on the third NXT takeover of all time, which is titled NXT TakeOver Fatal 4-Way. Uh, which took place September 11th, 2014 at Full Sail University in Winter Park, Florida. And if you guys thought that I liked triple threats, <laughs> nah, I mean, fatal four ways are okay. Uh, let's get some of the uh, undercard stuff out of the way first. Uh, Bull Dempsey versus Mojo Rawley. Uh, this is Mojo Rawley's first uh, appearance on the takeover, uh, it sucked, right? Yeah, this was pretty brutal. Um, I think, no, it ultimately doesn't matter. I was going to say, I think he might have wrestled one more one time before this. But no, this was basically a squash. Uh, Bull Dempsey, uh, if I remember, was basically a, a Hans Metallic, for lack of a better term, that had a storyline of him slimming down. And then, for whatever reason, they matched him against Mojo Riley, which the last time we checked, uh, he was getting squashed by um, Rusev or whatever the case may be. So, in the case of oh, Mojo, yeah, this you're is right. back-to-back squashes. How quickly coming, I forget. You know, going into uh, – moving forward from this point. So, I mean, you know, Bill Dempsey looks good, obviously, because he's the dude doing the squash, but – he didn't ultimately have a great career moving forward. Mojo Raleigh now is getting squashed in back-to-back takeovers. That's not a good look. So, I mean, ultimately it was a squash match. It's a one for me. It just, it was really no reason for this to even be on the card. I get why it was, but I'm going to give it a, a one-star match. I'm going to give it an NA because I just don't care enough to even give it a star. Yeah, this is. <laughs> This is before, and this is before takeovers really were the jam-packed cards that they are. Because we also had Baron Corbin versus C.J. Parker, otherwise known as Juice Robinson. Uh, Baron Corbin beat him in probably under twenty seconds. If even that, I don't even know what they were going for with C.J. Parker's character here. Um, on the screen behind him during his entrance, it says there is no Planet B which I guess is a play on there is no plan B, which yeah, that, is that's my guess. just terrible. I don't know what they're going with. I guess they saw the dreadlocks and they're like, ah, he's a, he's mystical. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, this is one of those times where I'm, I'm glad that the person that got released got released because he was not going anywhere anytime soon in NXT and him becoming Juice Robinson now at least he has you know something moving forward to work with this was basically another squash match God bless this was a faster squash than the, the Bull Dempsey Mojo Raleigh match like you said this was about 20-30 seconds um, you can give it an A I'll give it a 1 it just I get it it's, it's the start of the Baron Corbin run for NXT and that's great but this is kind of my problem with WWE in general. You use guys that could have an opportunity to be something on the roster and you squash them. And now you have not really have no place for them to go except for them to continue to be squashed. So, all right. Uh, like I said, no big, no big deal. It's, it's a one-star match. Lucha dragons versus Ascension. I mean, th- this is to me, this is a, 1.5 star match. I'll give it a 1.5 star just because the Lucha Dragons can work. I don't know what they were thinking with the Ascension. I guess they were thinking, uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you give it? Less time we spent I gave on this it two bit. stars um, just for the fact that you get the rub and I get the, the, the intent behind it. You get the rub for Lucha Dragons, them beating uh, Ascension as the longest reign tag champions, but the match itself was not very good, pretty one-sided actually with the Ascension doing most of the ass kicking, but the Lucha Dragons pulling it out at the end, which is, you know, it is what it is, but I agree with you. I, I just, I, 
this is one of those times where I think you move the team up to the main roster and the main roster didn't have anything for him. Plus Vince isn't high on tag teams to begin with. So this is ultimately a recipe for disaster, but the match itself, nothing to really break your neck to go see. We had a hair versus hair match with Enzo Amore with Colin Cassidy in his corner, still called Colin Cassidy versus Sylvester LaForte. I got to admit, Enzo and Cass were fun, man. Oh, yeah. No question about it. I, I, I got a little sentimental for 30 seconds. I, you know, I call myself, you know, spelling S-A-W-F-T. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, man, you know, here's the good times. And as we go along, I think this is just going to be one of those times where it's go, you're going to catch yourself, you know, thinking, what if they did this? What if this happened? Ultimately, this this was a match. It was what it was. I gave it one and a half stars. Uh, entertaining, but you know, another match that really didn't need to be on the card per se. Yeah, it's it's a one it's a one star for me. I won't I won't do with the the uh, enigma. In, I don't even know what word I'm trying to say. I know how to spell it, but I just can't say it. <laughs> I won't even disrespect it by giving it an na, but I will give it a one and one. Um, before we get to the two title matches. It's kind of weird. This is Hideo Itami's uh, introduction to the WWE universe. universe. Comes out as Kenta. It's kind of weird how much fanfare they gave him considering they used him so terribly. Regal came out, introduced him. Ascension came out. He beat up Ascension. Uh, one after the other, or both at the yeah, same time, and then sat on a chair. The last thing you need to do is have them come out after losing the titles to get beat down by a single guy, but go ahead. It's pretty, I just think it's, in hindsight, six years later, it's so strange to see how little they did with Hideo Itami, considering how big of a deal they made him seem when they brought him in. No, I agree. Um, injuries aside, and that's part of the story. So I'm not going to sit up here and, and bury it, but ultimately this feels like a, a big time missed opportunity. I thought, and for whatever reason, I don't know why I was thinking, Oh, is this Nakamura coming out? But it, I was like, Oh no wait, it's Kenta. So yeah, that's how much I've totally have glossed over the fact that Kenta slash Adeo Tommy was, was even a there. part of NXT. And the fact of how much, like you said, the hype leading up to this. I mean, you got Hulk Hogan, you know, going into over to Japan to make this announcement. You got Regal at Full Sail making this a big deal. They made it feel like a big deal. And ultimately, like like I said, as we move along, we'll look back. This feels like a missed opportunity. All right. So we will move on to the the title matches. We had Charlotte versus Bailey. In the title match, I am interested to hear what star rating you gave this. I'll let you go first. I, I'll, I will always say I'm a Charlotte Mark, but this was this kind of unfortunately missed a mark for me. I gave it two and a half stars. Um, the story is is the which to me the biggest part of the match. The match itself was okay. The, my biggest takeaway from it was Charlotte missing the moonsault and just not looking good while doing it. Um, Queen win for Charlotte, but I think that the, missing the moonsault sets up the finish and it kind of made it to be a clunky finish. Obviously, after the fact, you have Charlotte or Sasha coming down and then Charlotte throws Sasha off of Bailey for whatever reason, so that didn't really make sense. It The match was okay, then the post-match made it even more weird. So now I'm like, okay, what the fuck is really going on? I almost wanted to watch the next episode to figure it out. But the match itself is, is the focus. I gave it two and a half. I gave it two. You can tell that, I mean, like I said, this is six years ago. They've both gotten so much better in the meantime. They both, the charisma was still there for Charlotte. I'm still trying to find Bailey's. But I gave it two stars, which still makes it, the best match of the night so far. It just, it, there was, 
I guess I'm spoiled into how great women's matches have actually evolved to be, in some cases, just as good as the men's. Um, in a lot of cases, just as good as the men's. And, no, I agree. I agree. and particularly how great Charlotte is now. I've, I've said before that I think she's the greatest woman wrestler of all time, and I stand by it. This this I, this I don't know, man. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I said, I'm watching way too much women, other women's wrestling now. Where I can't just say that, but I get, I, I understand where you're going with it. If, at one point, I agreed with it, so I can't sit up here. I mean, I don't it. watch as much wrestling every yeah, I week as I, I only watch. No, I, know, I, I know, only watch I nine hours a week, Jason. Yeah, I only I know, watch I nine hours. I know it's not your fault, Daddy. That's that's why you got me on this. Week. All right, and then the main event. Yeah, nine hours a week is not enough. Um, and then the main event, we had Tyler Breeze versus Sami Zayn versus Tyson Kidd versus Adrian Neville in a fatal four-way match for the NXT Championship. I'll take this one first because I made you go first for the women's match. I think it's impossible to have a five-star match in a fatal four-way. I think it's nearly impossible to have a five-star match in a triple threat. I think the five-star matches, and like I said before in previous weeks, I'm not going to go above five stars. That being because I think that one-on-one, that's where the best storytelling is done, and that's where you get the most drama. The best matches are one-on-one matches where they tell the best story, right? This was as good of a four-way match that I've ever seen. I had so much fun watching this match. It was nonstop action. I couldn't, I I was watching it and I went between, okay, who's the MVP of this match? Oh, well, it's Sami Zayn. No, wait, no, it's Neville. Oh, wait, Tyler Breeze is actually tons of fun in this match. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it a full four stars. Okay. All right. That, 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 I thought I was going to be, well, I am lower than you, but not too much lower. I gave it three and a half. Um, Every guy got their spot. I thought that Tyler Breeze, watching it again for the second time, I was really surprised that Tyler Breeze wasn't the one to go over. I think the crowd kind of was anticipating it and was ready to explode for that. That's neither here nor there. Ultimately, I think he was really good in this match. Yeah, and there was a couple of times where – Looking back at it, I was like, yeah, this could have been the time. This could have been the time. But like I said, neither here nor there. I thought that this was the best, obviously the best match of the night. And it just really reinforced why I like Tyler Breeze. And I think this was one of those times where if they had a North American title at the time, he'd have been an easy shoe-in for that because that had him on TV so much more and could have built him up to be in the NXT championship. But and you know, he's clearly the one with the least experience here. You can kind of tell that maybe it's what I'm bringing to it. I kind of saw Tyson Kidd as the ring general in this and Sami Zayn also. You can tell that they're the most experienced, at least I thought I could, and that this is coming from a non-wrestler. But watching it, it looks like Tyson Kidd and Sami Zayn were completely in charge of this match. No, I, I would agree with that, especially with the, the fact that you know now that Tyson Kidd is not wrestling anymore and he's behind the scenes, you could kind of safely assume that he had some sort of influence in, you know, how we're getting from point A to point B. Definitely not, you know, working the whole match, but, you know, throwing a nugget here or there. Um, The sharpshooter, you know, pulling Tyler Breeze away from the sharpshooter, calling Tyler Breeze out for the match, saying he was the wink wink. Now he has him in the sharpshooter. It's stuff like that that, made this match you know more complete i guess for for lack of a better term for me but yeah easily the best match of the night and a a really good fatal four-way match in general what is your overall grade i know we're looking for the best but this is this is probably the worst of the takeovers that we've seen so far um i'm giving this a d i mean it's it's hard for the two matches to overcome everything else that happened in front of it. I mean, really just and one Bailey match. And Bailey and Charlotte, yeah, it was, that wasn't really a great match to, into itself. So, yeah, I'll give this a D. Yep. Okay. So, we are in agreement. We're both giving it a D. Let's get to that three counts. One, two, 
All right, JCB. Uh, let me get the let me get my pad of paper out here. We got about fifteen minutes left, and we're gonna fifteen minutes. We're gonna do this as I can't believe how much time we spent on the Wednesday Night Wars, but that's what happens when me and you start talking wrestling. <laughs> All right. I'll say we talk too much. Okay, so here we go. So predictions for Money in the Bank this weekend, Jason. I will let you go first. We are going to go, you're going to give me least to most likely to win this match. And this is the fatal four-way for the tag team belts. And we have New Day, Miz and Morrison, Forgotten Sons, and Lucha House Party. Least to most. Least to most. We'll go Lucha House Party as least. They're there because they need to be filling out the the match itself um and damn i'll go ms and morrison next forgotten sons for whatever reason um i i just think that the usos being out they'll give the forgotten sons this spot to maybe go over at a greater point but i can't see the new day dropping the titles at this point they just got them i mean not unless you're going to hot shot the titles again it just doesn't make sense yeah i mean i'm almost the same as you i'm not going to give the forgotten sons quite as much chance as you are i'll go lucha house party last forgotten son second to last Miz and morrison and then knew they most likely to win uh this hasn't officially been announced yet but i'm gonna just say that they're gonna have a viking raiders versus street profits match uh, just because the Viking Raiders seems to have had their number so uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, if the Viking Raiders and Street Profits face each other, Street Profits champs, who do you think wins? Man. <laughs> the logic would want me to say Street Profits because the tiles will be on the line. Um, I'll, I'll stick to that. I it, I don't even like the way that they're doing going about this, but that's neither here nor there. I'll take the Street Profits. Yep, me too. I'm taking the Street Profits. Uh, for um, the women's match, I didn't even know this was happening. Uh, Bailey oh, versus God, Tamina. Dude, seriously, you need to you need to watch SmackDown, man. Okay, uh, I did. Wa I watched some this week. Like this. <laughs> uh, you didn't know that this was a bad Jesus Christ. No, I'll man. I fast forward through anything with Tamina on it. I'm sorry, I'll man. I'll take Bailey to retain. Yeah, me too. So, uh, so I'll, t I'll tell you this. Before every week, I look up the results of what happened. You know, and sometimes if I'm watching it, I'll write it down. But if I don't watch right. it, uh, I'll look through results on this website that I follow. And. This week, today, I was writing down everything that happened on SmackDown, and I had watched some of it, but it was late at night, and I was a little banged up, and um, I started writing it down, and I was like, God, this shit is boring. This is exactly like last week, and then I realized yeah, when I yeah. got to the end that I was writing down last week's, so I clicked on the wrong link. <laughs> <laughs> but how could you tell, man? It's SmackDown. It no, sucks. It, I, was, I was thinking this today. Depending on what happens with this pay-per-view, I might have to take a break from SmackDown myself. It's just, not, it's getting harder and harder to watch, man. Stop telling me to watch it, then. Dude, we're going to pay a podcast. How are you not going to watch it? I, I mean, I, I, you know. Uh, you watch it. We'll put it in quotes. I'm not like Zach, who doesn't watch anything. Uh, yeah, that, we that, have, that, that's hardcore right there. God bless that, dude. Uh, we have Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins for the belt. I'll go first. They're not going to put it on McIntyre to take it away this fast. I'm going McIntyre. That seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, I agree. Uh, with Jenner Mahal working in the distance, that's going to be a contender in some form or fashion, especially now he's not in the, the money in the bank match. So, yeah, I'm, I agree with you. Drew McIntyre. Jenner Mahal's a perfect guy to tie up Drew McIntyre for a couple pay-per-views as he, you know, collects his bona fides as a... Uh, as a fighting champion. Uh, Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. Not a lot going on with this story. They're trying to mine as much as they can, but Braun Strowman was just the big, dumb idiot. Behind, I mean, he was the fourth member of the Bray of the Wyatt family. It wasn't like he did that much. It wasn't even like they were on the same team for very long. 
Bye. Man, I'm kind of torn on this one. Let me go first because I don't want to hear your answer. Because I could see them just putting it on Braun at WrestleMania just so Bray could take it back and they could try to correct the damage that they did uh, by taking the belt off of Bray prior to WrestleMania. But then you do further damage to Braun Strowman, who has already had so much damage. I can't see Braun Strowman (laughs) winning. I'm going with Bray Wyatt. I will take the opposite. I will go with Braun Strowman. I think that the key to this is who the opponent of Braun Strowman is. It's Bray Wyatt. If it was The Fiend, I would agree. Because it's Bray Wyatt, I think they've already proven that they're not hesitant to have Bray Wyatt lose in a match of this kind of magnitude. I think this will happen here. I'll take Braun Strowman to retain. Okay. Uh, for the women's Money in the Bank match, least to most, we have Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Carmella. I'll let you go first. Okay, Carmella, Lacey Evans. Say the three last three again. Asuka, Carmella, Lacey Evans. Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax. Baszler, Nia Jax. Not like it really fucking matters. I'm missing one. I've got five. Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Dana Carmella. Brooke. Okay, thank you very much. Like, it, like I said, like it fucking matters. All right, here we go. Uh, least likely to win, Dana Brooke, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, sorry, not sorry. Um, Carmella, I'll go next. Already won. Can't go there. Um... I'm going Lacey Evans from there. I just don't think that there is a reason for her to have it at this point. I'll go Asuka from there. Always a threat, but I don't think they're pulling the trigger at this point. I'll go Nia Jax next, just in case they want to get cute and go Becky versus Nia, but Unfortunately, I think this is Shayna Baszler all the way. It makes this is one of those times where I think they're going to try to correct the mistake and have Shayna be the hunter to catch Becky slipping, maybe against Becky versus Anaya Jax. Becky wins. Shayna comes in, wins the title. Shayna Baszler is my pick. Who do you have? Who do you have second? Uh. Nia Jax. Shayna Baszler's number one. Nia Jax is two. And Asuka's three? Asuka's three. Okay. Lacey Evans is four. Gotcha. Carmel is five. Dana Brooke is six. All right. So my bottom two are the same as yours. Dana Brooke and Carmella. Uh, fourth, I have Nia Jax. I just don't feel like they really see a whole lot of upside with her that much anymore. I have Asuka three just because they managed to bungle all sorts of shit with Asuka from the get go. So I can't (laughs) assume they're going to do anything else. I have Shayna Baszler as the second least to win just because I feel our second first from the top is that because I don't know. I see him putting on Lacey. I see them putting uh, uh, like some juice behind Lacey Evans. And besides that, there's always a way that they could get Shayna Baszler. They, there's all sorts of way they could get the belt on Shayna Baszler. The, okay. the same isn't true for Lacey Evans. So I'm going Lacey Evans, uh, number one, as my most likely. Okay. And last, we have the men's money in the bank. Least and most, well, I'm... These are the contenders. Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, Baron Corbin, Otis, and AJ Styles. All right. So least to most, I am going Rey Mysterio, (laughs) Rey Mysterio least. I'll go Otis second least. I'll go... Daniel Bryan third. I'll go. Hmm, the music stopped. Fucks me up when the music stops. Hey, hey when that happens, shit. I'll say that's when the ugly lights come on. You, you can looking across at some 
Oh, okay. Never mind. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. I got Rey Mysterio least, Otis next, Dana Bryan next, Baron Corbin next, Aleister Black second to first, and AJ Styles as my favorite to win the Money in the Bank. Jason Cornelius Bell, what do you got? Interesting. Um, very similar, honestly. Um, I agree with Rey Mysterio. I don't think there's a reason for him to win. Otis. I agree with that as well. Um, he can mid card at eight point. Daniel Bryan, I agree with that. Already won it. Um, here's where, unfortunately, we're going to differ just a little bit. I'm going to go AJ next. For whatever reason, Undertaker is still coming out of his mouth. That scares me. Not saying that Taker is going to be there, but that scares me to think that that rivalry is not done. I'm going to go Baron Corbin next just because I think they like to be cute from time to time. Even though he won it, I can easily see them trying to make him a top heel of some form or fashion and then coming back and pulling the trigger again. But I'm not sure why. It's just a gut feeling. Feels like this is Aleister Black's time. It makes sense just in the sense that I don't think there's really a way for him to get the title without having this stipulation with him at all times. He's a guy that this is why you have money in the bank for guys that need a opportunity, a break to get them into the big time. See Dolph Ziggler, see CM Punk. Alistair Black feels like he's on that list of guys that need a break. Jack Swagger. See <laughs> Jack Swagger. All right. Hey, listen, I hope you're right. I hope Alistair Black wins. And that was our three counts. All right, Jason, this might be the best work rate birthday week that we've ever had. Okay. You tell. You ready for it? Yeah. Owen Hart would have been 55 today. RIP. RIP. Tangaloa, also known as? Oh, Camacho from last week. That's, that's right. That's right. He's 37. Kevin Owens is 36 today. Will Ospreay is 26 today. All four of those guys have the wow. same birthday. That's that, crazy. That is a hell of a work rate birthday. But we're not no done. Shit. But we're not done. Ch oh. Champa turns 35 tomorrow. Ia Shirai okay. turns 30 tomorrow. Tito Santana oh, turns 67 later on this week. Billy Kidman turns 46. Bobby Roode turns 43. Lince Dorado turns 33. Kushida turns 37. Wow. And then you have Glacier, who turns 56. <laughs> but come on, that's a hell of a work rate birthday week, though, right? No, it's, that's, that's, that's a golden uh, birthday list, especially on the same day. Hell yeah. Uh, which one is the closing music? Hold on a second. Oh, shit. No, it's not that one. Hold on. <laughs> there we go. Hey, everybody. We know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys taking your time out of the day to listen to ours. For F&B Eatery. Check. For my wife, my cats, and my dog. Check, check, check. For Murray the Murray Man Murray. Check. Lucha Chris. Check. For Vice. Check. For Two Beer Zach Pullman. Yeah. For Jason Cornelius Bell, I am Bill Vagie. Everybody yeah, support you your bitches. local restaurants, support your local yeah. weed dealers, and everybody yeah. boo the heels! <laughs> <laughs>